1: to Another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a big contest to preview in the Heartland battle for the Heartland Trophy in Iowa City this weekend as the Wisconsin Badgers travel to Kinnick to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Another fun installment in this rivalry. We we'll back and forth throughout the game, low scoring, ugly slugfest that we're used to most likely. Should be a fun one, but we're going to preview everything from that contest. I'll do my regular preview, the offense, the defense, matchup to watch, players to watch, etc., etc. And then, of course, in the back half of the show, we'll have our interview. We've got Ben Ross of Blackheart Gold Pants. He joins us to talk a little bit more about the Hawkeyes and what's transpired in Iowa City this weekend, I will say, of the correspondence that we've had all season long. This might be my favorite interview with Ben. Um, he's does not hold back at all in terms of what his thoughts are on the Iowa Hawkeyes and what their season has been like, his feelings about Kirk Ferentz, the state of the program, the nepotism within Iowa. Very fun interview, very fun to listen to the Iowa fan perspective on what uh, has taken place at Iowa, because I know for a lot of fans it has not been pretty, and there's been a lot of frustration surrounding the program, and now they're starting to you know, win back-to-back games, look a little bit better, and, and all of a sudden you know, people will start to forget about the issues that they've had. So very fun interview. I suggest you do not uh, miss that one in the back of the show. But for right now, we'll get into my portion of the show, and we'll get into this game itself and how each side of the ball for Wisconsin is going to look to attack in this contest. We'll start with the offense. You look at this Iowa defense, you're going to be going up against one of the top defenses in the country statistically, and they are. They're one of the top defenses in the country, no doubt about it. 3rd in total defense, 8th in rushing defense, 10th in passing defense. So overall, this is a top 10 unit, front to back, each and every season. I mean, once again, Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator for Iowa, one of the best coordinators in the country, one of the probably the best top two, three defensive coordinators in the country. Amazing that he has not taken or been offered another head coaching job because he's, uh, or a head coaching job because he's such a phenomenal coordinator, but the guy that knows his system implements the system and it seems like no matter the players in there they seem to have a way to you know make that system work and and make plays so getting into this Iowa defense now Wisconsin's going to kind of go about moving the football against them it's going to be a challenge however I look at this rushing defense and yes in terms of the numbers eighth and rushing yards allowed that's very good it's a very solid game however for me in the sports betting side and the analytics side I dive into more than just total rushing defense I don't think that tells you the whole picture so one of the statistical categories that I really look at when you're looking at these type of games is what I call success rate and what betting um, goes off of a lot you know determined by success rate but essentially means how successful are you in plays on that certain side of the football against that certain type of play so when we're talking about this success rate for this defense you're talking about defensive rushing play success rate for Iowa not necessarily as high as you might think in terms of that mark 51st in the country in rushing defensive success rate for the iowa hawkeyes so to me that looks like hey yes on paper they're not giving up a ton of yardage in terms of the game itself but in terms of the plot rushing play success rate they are not having as much success as you might think beyond that another statistic that i like to look for and how good a rushing defense is is called stuff rate. Essentially, that means how much is the how often is the defensive line for that specific team stuffing up a play and, and shutting things down in the backfield, not allowing positive gains on a run. Iowa, in terms of defensive stuff rate, 66 in the country. So that is not necessarily what you would expect them to be at, considering they have one of the top overall you know total defenses in the country. So to me, I think. You're seeing a situation where you can't really throw against this team. There's really good secondary at Iowa. They're all around the ball. And you just have to try and, and find ways to run the football. And I think there has been some teams that have had success. When you look back at Iowa's football schedule, not necessarily a murderer's row of rushing offenses. You've had Purdue, who throws the ball all over the field. No success last year, last weekend. Northwestern, a very bad football team. They've kind of leaned more on... Ryan Halinski getting the ball to Evan Hull, so they've thrown it a little bit more. Ohio State the week before that, very good rushing attack when they want to, but for the most part, they can just sling it around with C.J. Stroud. I think the week before against Illinois was kind of their biggest rushing attack test, and, and they did a pretty good job of shutting them down in that game, but were not victorious, and Illinois still had some success, just could not convert that into points in in a lot of those games. I mean, you put together Chase Brown still had 146 yards in that contest, near nearly five yards a carry. Tommy DeVito, when he did some quarterback runs, had uh, 5.2 yards per carry. So, Illinois, that was more so a product of, they moved the football against this Iowa defense on the ground. They just did not put up points when they got into the red zone. So, the week before that, Michigan, 140 yards per play. Corum, uh, as the Wolverines. And then you look at the the week before that, and in the early, you had Rutgers, Nevada, South Dakota State, and Iowa State. Four very not very good football teams to test this Iowa defense. So, I think on paper, yes, you're looking at an Iowa defense that is pretty solid, especially in the back end with their secondary. But I do think they can be hit for some, you know, some plays in the running game. And when you look at Wisconsin, they, they played their best game in the trenches last week. They finally got the combo that they wanted to go with. You saw the physicality that they could use against Maryland. And I think you're going to see Wisconsin come out and really try to establish that physicality against this Iowa defense to Punch them in the mouth. This is a game that every single year it comes down to who wins in the trenches? Which team is getting better push on the offensive line and the defensive line and shutting things down for the opponents? I think Wisconsin might actually have some moderate success here on the ground with Braylon Allen. I think this is the best rushing attack that this Iowa defense will have now faced if this offensive line is clicking the way they want to. Now, certainly Michigan, Ohio State, they have very good running attacks. Illinois has a very good running attack. So those are very good tests for this Iowa defense. But, when Wisconsin can really get things clicking, I think Braylon Allen is one of the best backs in the conference. I think he's one of the best backs in the country. And if this offensive line plays the way they did this past week, I think they're going to be able to move the football a little bit against this Iowa defense. And when you move the football on the ground, that should really open up some things for Graham in the passing game if they have to send extra guys to defend the run. Now, granted, Graham is going to have to hit some throws. There's no doubt about that. He's going to have to hit some throws and some tough windows. He's going to have to limit his mistakes. And so far, the last couple of weeks, he's been a lot better. Last week was a monsoon. Really can't take much from him in that game. But I think Wisconsin going to be able to move the ball. I think they're going to look to establish the run. I think this is going to kind of go back to everyone talks about Wisconsin wanting to modernize the offense. We want to see more from the offense. We want to see more dynamics. I think here you might get a little bit more back to basics with Wisconsin. This pass defense is very good. They've got very good players in the secondary. This run defense numbers wise it looks like they're good but when you dig a little bit deeper into some of the analytical stuff seeing where they're at in terms of the opponents they've played i don't know if this run defense is as great as we're making it out to be now that could come back to bite me but the numbers say this iowa front is not traditionally as good as it's been in years past and i think that might for some people that might seem crazy to say when you're, you're talking about the eighth overall rushing defense but it looks a little bit weaker than um, what the numbers might project. So I think Wisconsin will be able to run the football. I think they're going to look to run the football, establish the run, get Brandon Allen going, and hopefully that setting up and having success in the run game will allow Graham Mertz to hit a couple throws and get some things going. So the offensive line, the running game, certainly going to be at at their best, and it's nice to see that they had one of their best games this past week. Hopefully they can build on that going into this week. Switching gears now to the defense. Iowa's offense, pure ineptitude, uh, from front to back, this offense is not very good. It hasn't been very good all season. I know there's been a lot of people looking at the last couple of weeks and saying, oh man, this Iowa defense has turned a little, excuse me, Iowa offense has turned a little bit of a corner. Don't buy it. I don't buy it one for, for one quick second. You know, they beat Northwestern and then put up 24 points against Purdue, got a three-score lead and then absolutely just sat on the ball, did nothing in the second half against the Boilermakers on offense, so. I do not buy that this Iowa offense has gotten any better. I don't think they're any good. And I think for Wisconsin, they they played a really really good game defensively. Um, The last couple weeks, they've really looked their part. And I think they should be able to have a good amount of success against this Iowa defense. Now, you look back to last year's game, 27-7 victory. And that game was mostly won by the defense. Now, the offense did enough to put up points in that. But Wisconsin's defense last year against the Hawkeyes was incredibly strong in getting pressure, forcing turnovers, and really Petrus make mistakes. And this is a guy that generally, you know, in the past in his career hasn't made a ton of mistakes, but Wisconsin did a really good job last year of confusing him, you know, sending different packages, sending different blitz, making things look different, and getting to the quarterback and forcing fumbles. And in that contest, Iowa lost three fumbles in the game. No interceptions, but it felt like there were a couple of close ones where he was rushed to make throws. Rush to make decisions and get rid of the football. So I think you already kind of know the game plan that Wisconsin's going to want to implement. There hasn't been a ton of changes for Wisconsin defensively. Jim Leonard's still the guy. He's got a recipe that I think he thinks works against this Iowa uh, offense. And I I don't think there's anything that really scares you. You When Wisconsin has had struggles on the defensive side, it's because they went up against a dynamic passing game. And you look at the Michigan State game, Jaden Reed gave Wisconsin fits. You look at the Ohio State game. A plethora of talent at the receiver position really you know got them out of space. Even Illinois, that was a game that Wisconsin had some trouble defending the pass in those contests. Certainly a run first team, but they have some dynamic players on the outside that were able to make plays. And that was just a really odd game all in all for the Wisconsin team. Completely lifeless in that contest. So I don't see that for Iowa. They do not have that dynamic playmaker in the passing game. Sam Laporte is a good tight end. Wisconsin should be able to find matchups to you know, be able to keep that in check. There's no dynamic receiver on the outside one-on-one that you have to worry about in those situations. So I think for Wisconsin, you're going to be able to play your normal, you know, style of play in the secondary. And then you're going to be able to send blitz. You're going to have to disguise packages. But I think Jim Leonard has knows what to do against a statue of a quarterback in Spencer Peters, a guy that's going to sit in the pocket and have to make plays. I think Wisconsin's going to be able to come out and send that pressure and hopefully get home for some plays and really tried to pick on this inept quarterback play and an offensive line that this Iowa offensive line, similar to Wisconsin's, both units this year have not been up to that usual standard that are expected of these two schools. I mean, you used to have both of these teams having really strong fronts. Wisconsin's has not been, as been as strong. Iowa's has not been either, just not the same group up front. And they've kind of tried to find ways to patch it together and get it going. Part of that is the quarterback play not helping when the offensive line maybe is you know starting to play better. I mean overall this offense just stinks. So I think for Wisconsin, you have that recipe and it's gonna be the same kind of thing that we saw last year. Send a lot of pressure, send a lot of confusing blitz, try to force Spencer Peters to make some mistakes or rush and throw the football. If you let him just sit in the pocket, he's a guy that can find throws. Will he actually make that throw and hit the target? remains to be seen, but if he just be able to sit in the pocket and has the time to do so, that's when he's a better quarterback. You now, if Wisconsin can get in his face, get to him, get pressure, get hands on him, I think all of a sudden you see a recipe where Wisconsin can force some turnovers like they did last year, hopefully force some interceptions in Wisconsin. In terms of interceptions, this season has been phenomenal. They've been all around the football. John Torchio's been amazing. I think the secondary and and those are going to have some plays where they make um some turnovers. I think Keanu Batten up front is gonna really take on some blocks, open things up for these guys to send blitzes. So I think this Wisconsin defense after playing a really good dominating physical game last week against Maryland is gonna have some confidence coming into this one. And I think they're really gonna have a I, I think they're gonna have a field day against Spencer Petras. I do not think this offense is any good. I don't think I have to sit here and try and pretend that there's something about this Iowa offense that scares me. The running game's okay. I think Wisconsin's done well enough to figure some of those issues out and be better on the defensive line. We saw Keanu Benton have one of his best games last week. They were a little thin on the defensive line, still found a way to do that against a Maryland defense, or excuse me, a Maryland offense that kind of had to run the football because it was such a struggle to throw in that game. So I think this up front, Wisconsin's really playing well, and I don't think you have to sit here and try and pretend that this Iowa defense is something, or excuse me, this Iowa offense is something that is going to scare you. So I think the Badgers will be able to attack in this game. I think they'll have success. I think it's going to come down to can this Wisconsin offense put points on the board when they do get those stops. And judging by my take on the offense, I think Wisconsin's offense is going to have some success against this Iowa defense. It's maybe seems, again, crazy to say it, but I do think the Badgers might have some success. And I do think they'll find a way to uh, win this game. But We'll get to our score prediction a little bit later. So the Getting into now the key to victory, we've talked about the offense, we've talked about the defense. The key to victory for me in this contest, beyond what we've just talked about on both sides of the football, I think those are the main keys. But I think beyond that, you have to play a clean football game in this contest. Penalties, turnovers, special teams, etc. have to be buttoned up. I think when you look at the, this rivalry over the past decade, and Wisconsin's won six of the last eight, I believe, won four of the last five trips to Kinnick. But they've all been very close games, and what's done Wisconsin in, and what's done Iowa in in these last few meetings has been special teams plays, special teams mistakes, turnovers, muffed punts, touch punts that the opponent picks up. You know, last year Iowa lost because they had three fumbles and were never able to get anything going beyond that. A couple of years ago, the COVID season, Graham Mertz was you know turning the ball over left and right, and this Iowa defense was making him pay for it. The Iowa offense couldn't really get much going, but the defense kept getting stopped and getting turnovers. So I think that part is going to be huge in this contest. You've got to play clean when you have a game that's likely going to be tight, low scoring, low possessions. You have to make sure that you're playing clean and not killing any of those possessions. You can't have the turnovers. You can't have penalties that touch you back 15 yards and all of a sudden kill the drive because you don't want to be behind the chains against this defense. That's the one thing that you can consistently say. The secondary is really good. You want to have to hit short throws. You don't want to have to you know, hit throws for first and second and third and 15. That's not going to be a recipe to win this football game. So staying in front of the chains, keeping clean, not having silly turnovers in the special teams department, and not having those type of issues for either side is really going to be a big determiner in this game. The team that likely makes the less, least amount of mistakes is likely going to win this football game. That's usually the mantra you know, each and every year in, a, in an Iowa-Wisconsin contest. These two teams trying to make the other team make mistakes and try to limit their own mistakes. All right, that now moves us into the players to watch for this contest. Kind of talked about some players already. Offensively, I think it's going to come down to Braylon Allen making the plays against this defense. But beyond that, I think Brenda. the second punch for wisconsin kind of a more speedy back he's been a really good second back the last few weeks does he maybe break some plays off do they maybe you know you know use that power run with braylon allen and then a change of pace with isaac rendle for a big run i could certainly see that happening so i think the two running backs for wisconsin are going to be the players to watch in this game i think they're going to have success i think they're going to have a a solid game overall against this defense and i think they're going to be able to, to click and move things forward and if they do it's likely because of the offensive line. So you have to give some kudos to them as well. If they have a successful game on the ground, it's going to be because this offensive line is starting to click and put together a solid performance for back-to-back weeks. So I think that running game, those guys up front and the guys running behind them are going to be the players to watch, for better or for worse. If they don't have a running game in this contest, Wisconsin is, is frankly cooked. If you've got to rely on the pass because you can't run the ball, you're going to be set up for failure against this Iowa team. So I think making sure that those guys have a big day is going to be important to watch for, and I think they will in this contest. On the defensive side, to me, I think it comes down to Keanu Benton. He had a great game last week, and I think you could see an all-time performance from him. If he plays really well, it's going to open up for a lot for this defense. Now, numbers-wise, he's not necessarily a guy that's going to put together a ton of tackles, a ton of sacks, but you're going to see the benefits that Keanu Benton has when he's taking on those blocks, when he's taking on two to three guys of the offensive line and really gumming things up and allowing those linebackers to get through the gaps. That is his job and he's done it so well and I think last week you saw one of his best performances. He was an absolute disruptor in the run game and then when the, in the passing game he was just opening things up for Nick Herbig. There's a reason why Nick Herbig leads the Big Ten in sacks. It's because Keanu Benton and the guys in front of him are opening lanes up now, Nick Herbig because, of course, a great player in his own right, and sometimes can just beat you off the edge. But I think you're looking at a situation where Keanu Benton, when he's really, really doing his job and moving the line of scrimmage back, we talked about stuff rate already. Keanu Benton's one of the best in stuffing up those plays and opening things up for other you know avenues for the other players. I think that's something that you really got to watch for. So I think Keanu Benton's going to be a player to watch for, and you know if he's able to make that pressure put get you know. Paws and, and body parts in front of Keanu, or in, in front of Spencer Petras. I think you're going to look at a situation where this Wisconsin defense is going to have plenty of success. So I'm going to go with Keanu Benton as a player to watch in that portion. All right, so that gets us right into the score prediction for this contest. I think by listening to this, you kind of have an idea that I sound like I think Wisconsin's going to win, and I do. I do think the Badgers will find a way to win this contest. I think they're going to have success moderate success i'm not going to sit here and say wisconsin is going to put up 40 points against iowa defense but i think they're going to have moderate success moving the football i think they're going to be able to put some points up i think this defense is really going to have a strong outing against frankly i i i can't again i can't sit here and pretend that this iowa defense scares me or should scare badger fans and excuse me the iowa offense shouldn't scare any of you in in the game that you're going to be watching i just have not seen it from them we're into week 11 now There's no reason to sit here and try and pretend that Iowa's offense is all of a sudden going to be some grand, great thing that you have to be worried about. You don't. So I think this Wisconsin defense is going to have success. I think the Wisconsin offense is going to have moderate success. And I think the Badgers are going to win this game in Kinnick Stadium. I do think it'll still be close, low scoring. I went with Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Wisconsin 23, Iowa 13. The Badgers pick up another big victory, get to bowl eligibility, and move into and bring home the Heartland Trophy as they move into the second uh, of the three trophy games against Nebraska next week. All right, that finishes up the preview, but someone asked why we weren't doing Big Ten predictions in the uh, last couple shows. I have been forgetting, so we'll get to that real quick here before we get into our interview with Ben Ross of Blackheart Gold Pants. Nebraska at Michigan, I do think the Wolverines will win, but a 30-point spread makes me look to Nebraska in that portion of the contest. Purdue at Illinois, I think we have to pick Purdue, right? If we If Wisconsin has any sort of life in the Big Ten West, They really would need Purdue to win this game. I think they can win this game. I know Purdue has looked absolutely lost the last couple weeks, but we'll see if they find a way to win, and we'll try and manifest here in the podcast. I think the Purdue Boilermakers upset Illinois, give Wisconsin or Iowa, the winner of that game, kind of get some life if they win their own contest. Beyond that, Indiana at Ohio State. No chance. Buckeyes roll in that one. Maryland at Penn State. That's an interesting one. Maybe one of the better ones of the uh, weekend in terms of the Big Ten I think Penn State finds a way to win, but I would not be shocked if Maryland won that either. Bounce back after a difficult week last week. Uh, Very intriguing game to watch. I, I think a very even contest in that one. Moving down the line, Northwestern at Minnesota. I think Minnesota takes care of business in that contest, no problem. And then beyond that, Rutgers at Michigan State. Frankly, I don't care about that game in the slightest. I'll take Michigan State as the home favorite in that one. All right, that wraps up our Big Ten Picks for the week. We'll get you some ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into our interview with Ben Ross of Blackheart Cold Pens. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by a very special guest, Ben Ross of Blackheart Gold Pants, on to talk some Iowa Hawkeyes. Ben, thanks very much for joining us. How are you feeling about this game? Because I know Badger fans and Hawkeye fans have kind of had a similar season and it hasn't been um, all that pretty for a lot of it.
0: Uh, It stinks. I mean, this game to me is a lose-lose proposition. You know, if Iowa wins, not only do we not ruin anything for, you know, a record or greater prospects for uh, postseason success or dramatics for the Badgers and, you know, and if we do win, it doesn't really, it's not really a a pelt that's worth collecting, in my opinion, you know which is why I think Iowa will win because we only beat teams that we can't beat when it doesn't matter. You know, we beat Purdue for just the second time in six years uh, last weekend and wouldn't have mattered. Whereas, you know, if we would have beaten Purdue last year, it would have been 10 wins for Iowa in the regular season or 11 wins, excuse me, in the regular season. It would have been, uh, if we would have beaten them two years ago, it would have been nine wins the regular season. Um, You know, this year it's just another, not to sound too dour, um but you know both teams are not in a place where I think the fan bases expect them to be or want them to be
1: yeah usually you come into this game thinking all right this is a game that's going to you know determine the west and certainly Wisconsin and Iowa still mathematically alive in the west but I'm not holding my breath and I'm guessing judging by that answer you're likely not either (laughs) so certainly disappointing um for both teams to be kind of where they're at in this spot but we always like to start and we started a little bit different, but I always like to start asking with kind of just a state of the program question. And certainly I'm very interested to hear your take on the current state of Iowa under Kirk Forens and company. Is there any chance that he's back next year? Is he gone next year as someone who knows the Iowa program and what's going on? He's been around forever. I, I, you can tell there's clear frustration from the fan base what do you think is going to be the end result of a down season like this, or is it going to be kind of status quo move on to next year as usual?
0: Uh, there's no way in hell he's not back next year. I mean, if we, you would, he would have to retire because his buyout is in the neighborhood of 45 million at this time. Um, in which case, you know, he's, so he, he's, he's we're stuck with him and uh, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. Yeah. And furthermore, I'll, you know, I'll be honest, not to, again, I, I think to get in ahead, I'm sure you'll ask me a, my prediction uh, at the end of this, but uh, I, I think Iowa beats Wisconsin. Uh, and then I think we finish the year with wins over Minnesota and Nebraska too. And therefore we, uh, I will end the year five wins in a row, potentially six when we make it to the little Caesars who gives a shit bowl uh, and beat, I don't know, seven win Mizzou team. And, you know, that that's a 9 win season. He's going to chalk up to success despite scoring uh, approximately 11 points in the first six games of the year Um, and, you know, getting depanced by Michigan and Illinois and Ohio State three games in a row. You know, that's Kirk Ferentz, for better or for us, has a very, very short memory when it comes to the current football season and very long memory when it comes to the 1987 Pir- the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uh so, so i i think he'll be back i think his son of more infamous acclaim brian mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator will also be back I, i'd think i wouldn't you know if he were to leave i wouldn't be super surprised because i think he needs to sort in order to resuscitate or save his football coaching career he needs to get away from his dad as far away as possible and resume some sort of position coach in the NFL again um and then wait for his dad to finally die uh before he can set foot set foot in Iowa again but uh you know unfortunately Iowa fans don't really have the luxury of um you know where Paul Christ I think and Kirk Ferentz differ you know I think Behind back doors, Chris got himself got talked into taking a much smaller buyout because, you know, uh, what was his nickname? Coach Dad, right yep, over there. Yep. <laughs> and being a classic, nice Wisconsin guy, Otkirk isn't like that. You know, he's from the East Coast. He wants all of his goddamn money, you know. He's notorious for suing neighbors for encroaching on on his land and and things like that. Um And so he wants every red cent out of his contract and, you know, he's going to get it. Uh, He has the best agent in all of sports. He has uh, Gary Barter, the athletic director under his, under his thumb. Um, And, you know, we're going to be stuck with Kirk for as long as he wants to be here. And, Again, you know, you're not going to find somebody as down on these Iowa Hawkeyes as me. So maybe you picked the wrong guy to interview here. But uh, no. I <laughs> just don't, I just, I just don't see uh, much re- reason for optimism or growth uh, within the Iowa football coaching staff and program.
1: I would argue that we picked the exact right guy to answer that <laughs> question because I think it's <laughs> the best question, best answer that we've got to that similar question that we ask everybody um, all season long. Because I've, I, I think. You can clearly sense the frustration, but you can also sense the situation that, you know, unless like you said, unless he retires and rides off to greener pasture, it seems like he is going to be back. And um, just a fascinating situation from an outsider's perspective doesn't sound super fun from an insider's perspective. But you mentioned the offense, which is kind of works into my next question, especially bad early. How has it looked in recent weeks? Because I think a lot of people have written Iowa off as, you know, they can't score, the offense stinks, and that's clearly true. But it seems like it's been a little bit better, and it's hard to be worse, I'm sure. But the last couple weeks, it seems like they're starting to put points to the board, you know, shut Purdue down, scored enough to win that game. So has it been better in recent weeks, or is that just being modestly better than what it really was early in the season, which is just really bad? I mean, yeah, the offense
0: last couple of weeks has been a product of playing Northwestern, the 82nd best defense in the country. And let's see what Purdue is here. I think there's 62. Purdue's the 61st scoring defense in the country. And so, you know, you see Iowa score. They go, get a three-score lead in uh, – In the first half against uh, Purdue last week, and then they have a 75-yard touchdown run uh, to open the second half. Then they have 30 total yards of offense for the remaining uh, 27 minutes of game time. Um, And you know, Kirk and Petrus, Iowa's quarterback, go or have the audacity to go up to the podium post game and talk about how (laughs) nobody believed in them. And all due respect, we won 10 games a year. Blah 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 blah. Well, with all due respect, you just beat. Two teams with a combined losing record and here you are thumping your chest. Um, The offense has gotten better by virtue of Caleb Johnson. I was freshman running back true freshman running back who was who worked his way up from the third string in the spring to uh, first uh, first guy taking snaps uh, this week finally. Uh, he had over 200 yards rushing uh, uh, against Purdue for the first time since uh, a running on our running back hasn't had that many yards since I believe 2015. If I had to go back, uh, the offensive line is starting to finally gel. I think we had back, uh, the same five starters in back to back games between Northwestern and Purdue for the first time all year. Uh, and that's been an, that's been a pain point. And then. You know, Luke Lachey, our number two tight end. Sam Laporte, our number one tight end. We're getting some guys back who can catch the ball. Um, Deontay Vines, who missed the four, first four games of the year, ha- had some nice catches and can really block well um, as a number two or number three receiver. Uh, you know, things are getting better. Uh, but, you know, Rock Bottom had a basement for the Iowa offense for the first few games of the year. You know, they were we were memed into oblivion, oblivion on all of the broadcasts and – um you know, uh, on Twitter and everything, and it was deserved. And you know, sure, if, you know, finally, no longer are we eating moldy bread. The bread's simply just stale now, but it's you know, it still kind of feels like we're getting peed on and getting told it's rain by um some of the coaches uh, in the in this program and. The uh, fortunate or unfortunate thing, the way you want to look at it is we don't need stellar offenses really to I'm sorry to beat Wisconsin, to beat Minnesota, to beat Nebraska um, and, you know, have an outside chance of making it to the Big Ten championship game for the second year in a row, um, which is sort of the sad state affairs of the Big Ten West, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> so to, as a long way of answer your question, yes, the offense does look better, but that's because it looked like, you know, the shit sandwich the first uh, half of the season.
1: There you go. That's a great way to put it. Defensively, you mentioned it. You, d- you don't need a great offense when you have this Iowa defense. It seems like the defense, Iowa kind of looks like Iowa, strong in all faces, very fundamentally sound, making plays. When that offense does get enough of a lead, kind of just sit on it and, and let your defense win you football games. So is it this just the same? What's the strength of this defensive unit, or is it just like it seems like Iowa each and every year Every, you know, the defensive line is always good. The linebackers are always sound. The secondary also always seems to be making plays and forcing interceptions. So is it just kind of the same recipe or what's given this Iowa defense the same amount of success that they've had for years now?
0: I mean, really, it's Phil Parker is the most underrated defensive coordinator in the entire mm-hmm. country, as much as I love shitting on Kirk and his failed son, you know, Phil is really the straw as a drink of this Iowa football team. Um, it really, it starts and ends with Jack Campbell, the middle uh, linebacker, fifth year senior, I believe. He's going to be playing on Sundays next year. Um, I think he's a 6'5", 6'6", middle linebacker. And he's uh, as good of a middle linebacker as I've seen um, since following these Iowa Hawkeyes for the past 15 years or so. Uh, really, truly uh you know quite great and then you have in the defensive backfield uh you know really it's uh, iowa is dbu if you want to look at um how many defensive backs are playing on sundays now played for iowa i believe it's up it's them in lsu or one and are tied actually for defensive backs in the nfl right now and uh for number one that is and you know so you've got riley moss who was an all-american last year he's not going to make get it this year because you um, you know, he, he doesn't have any interceptions this year because people are throwing the other side, whereas we threw in uh, you know, true freshman uh, Cooper DeGene to two Iowa guys starting at corner two two white guys from Iowa starting at corner and they're still putting up, you know, the number six uh, defense of the country. I uh, threaten you to find something more impressive than that, uh, Mm -hmm. truly. And then, you know, beyond them, you've got more really great safeties. Kayvon Merriweather at strong safety. He, you know, he was a Western Michigan basketball recruit, I believe. And Phil Parker coaxed him to uh, come over and uh, play football. And he's been a two year starter now for Iowa. And is probably one of the hardest hitters I can remember seeing, and then opposite him is Quinn Schulte, another walk on from the state of Iowa, uh, Mm -hmm. just truly coaching these guys up. And then finally on the defensive line, you know, we've got two guys with five sacks between Joe Evans and Lucas Van Ness um, in total 24 sacks in the year, which is not something you really see um, from Iowa teams. They don't like to bring the pressure too much, but you know, we have some of the most talented edge guys between Joe Evans, Lucas Van Ness, Deontay Craig um, and Aaron Graves, truly. And then finally, Logan Lee up the middle. It's these guys are uh, just really bringing the heat. Uh, You know, as much as people like to malign how maybe was strength and conditioning has gotten taken a step back because our offensive line has struggled, really. You know, that doesn't carry weight for me because our defensive line has been so strong um, the past few years. And, you know, it's fun to watch. It's... It's too bad because this is a monumental defense that is getting wasted by uh, an all-time inept offense, uh, in my opinion, and I just sort of feel bad for the defensive players. You see how when they are able to get an interception or pick up a fumble and they don't make to the end zone, they usually, instead of celebrating, they... They scream and mouth bad words to themselves because they know the offense is going to have to settle for a field goal or worse, um, and they weren't able to f- get the points on their own. And so actually, actually it's the most fun thing uh, of the year is seeing what, uh, because I was always going to force two or three turnovers a game, seeing what these defensive players do with the ball in their hands has been my favorite part of watching Iowa so far this year, which is not
1: the most fun thing. <laughs> well, I think you... Wisconsin fans can share that sentiment there's been you know multiple years where it feels like both Iowa and Wisconsin have these all-time great defenses and and like you said a a wasteful offense just kind of it's always the what if if the Badgers Mm -hmm. or the Hawkeyes had a moderately you know sound offense what they could do with those teams so certainly frustrating I can hear the frustrated Wisconsin fans kind of shaking their head in agreement similar to you know having that same situation there and in Madison as you have in Iowa City Mm so this game overall kind of a defensive slugfest i would expect it's that's what it's been the last few years i'd expect that to once again be the case this year so overall what do you think iowa needs to do to win this game and i know you said earlier in the show that you're you think Iowa's going to win this one so give us your score prediction to finish things out
0: yeah i think what Iowa needs to do to win is just sort of not really turn the ball over um and protect spencer petras so he can complete eight passes for 112 yards and maybe a touchdown and yeah and then open up running lanes for Caleb Johnson and the rest of the running backs and just sort of massage uh, hopefully what could be a 10 or 14 point offensive outburst uh, by this team and frankly I think 14 is going to be enough for either team uh, to win it so whoever got gets their first to either 14 or 17 um, that'll be more than enough because I mean, come on, man. Are you excited to watch Spencer Petris and Graham Mertz go out at, <laughs> on, on Saturday at 2.30? This game should be played at 6 in the morning because I want to take back my Saturdays and not, God, sit around on the couch all day waiting for the Siwa team to finally kick off. Um, you know, I, I think <laughs> Graham Mertz is a little bit more prone to making some boneheaded plays um, or just, you know, not being able to uh, get the ball where he needs to. And as little confidence as I am in Spencer Petras, he typically doesn't really turn the ball over. Um, Not super true for this year, but the past few games, it has been. And finally, you know, we are, I'm excited to watch Caleb Johnson, the aforementioned running back, uh, freshman running back, continue his momentum. I, I believe this offensive line is starting to gel and, Without knowing too much about, uh, you know, Wisconsin's defensive front seven, um, based on what I've been seeing and hearing, it's not as strong as it has been in years past, and that's you know giving me hope. And uh, well, you know, what I believe more than anything is we're going to beat Wisconsin in a year where it does, absolutely doesn't matter, um, just because that's the way Iowa football works. So, final score prediction has to be in the neighborhood of seventeen ten, uh, Iowa. I will win. And I want you to know it's not a homework call. It just really pains me to say how little, <laughs> how unexc- Wisconsin's my least favorite team. It's a team I want to watch. It's, it's a team I want. I want to be more than the other team every year. And I, the fact that I can't get excited about a potential Wisconsin victory, I think should tell you all, or, excuse me, a potential Wisconsin loss uh, should tell you all you need to know about my uh, outlook on the current state of the Iowa program.
1: Absolutely. I think that was a very fair answer considering the circumstances. And Ben, I must say this has been a a lot of fun to hear from you and (laughs) kind of get a read on how we feel about this game. I think there's a lot of uh, Wisconsin and Iowa fans that probably share that same sentiment about what this game is going to feel like. So. I don't think you will. I mean, I hope you enjoyed this game somewhat. I know it's going to be something that we probably won't enjoy, but it's going to happen regardless, so I guess it's time to embrace it. Um, Thank you very (laughs) much for joining us, and we'll see what happens on Saturday. Either way, there's a football game being played. Unfortunately for both of us, I think our our eyes are going to have to be on it um, simply because of our job, but hopefully we find some more enjoyment beyond that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, more than anything, I just want you all to know, better dead than red
1: (laughs) there you go all right badger fans well that wraps up another episode of the podcast ben thanks again for joining us guys make sure to go over and check them out blackheartgoldpants.com they do a ton of great job um, covering and they'll have a great outsider's perspective on this game beyond just the podcast here so make sure to check them out over at the website as always on wisconsin disgusting (laughs)
0: Yeah.